Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another coronavirus episode of Buker Friendless, a subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1, read me on Bleacher Report and hear me on Fox Sports Radio. You can also follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear just me talking about what I exclusively feel are the most important or interesting topics in the sports world, primarily, but not exclusively, involving the NBA on any given day. And that's here. I hope all of you are staying safe and sane out there through this Sheltering in place, shutdown, whatever you call it, uh, I'm here to provide a little relief if I can. Now, I decided to devote an entire podcast to what I think of LeBron James, largely because so many people either seem interested or they want to tell me what I think of LeBron. Some even share what it is about me that makes me think of him the way I do. People I've never met, I might add. I appreciate the help, but it really isn't necessary or useful. For anyone who follows my work, or even those who don't actually, you're probably aware that I've been asked a few questions about LeBron James over the last few weeks and that my answers provoked quite a reaction. I've come to accept that there's no way to avoid that when it comes to LeBron, no matter how measured a perspective might be. I saw a recent poll by the show I appear on regularly, Speak for Yourself on FS1, on how viewers felt about LeBron's I Promise documentary on the school he opened up for homeless and disadvantaged kids in Northern Ohio. There were four categories or status to choose from. Greatest of all time, all-star, scout team, or dumpster fire. The results... Greatest of all time and dumpster fire were almost even at 35 and 33%. All-star was next at 17% and the scout team at 14%, which defines how polarizing LeBron is as well as anything. I can't remember another athlete or subject on the show that has elicited a reaction as far as the poll is concerned and that has the two biggest groups at opposite ends of the spectrum. But I guess you already knew how polarizing LeBron is. 
I bring it up because it's what makes talking about anything he does both enticing and challenging. Enticing because you know whatever you say will elicit a strong response. And that's essentially the best indicator for a storyteller, writer, journalist, or entertainer that they've hit upon something that people or their audience care about. Anyone who says, talk about something else, well, I would say, tell your fellow fans to care about something else. It's been said before, but it bears repeating, apparently. The media doesn't determine what is important to people. People decide what is important to the media. The media is a mirror, good or bad, of what their audience is. More media people have lost their jobs trying to get people to care about something they think people should care about than have been promoted for trying to get people to care about something. I'd offer Jamel Hill as an example, or Richard Deitch, the media critic. Both had, have, sizable platforms and have been torch carriers for one cause or another that might have made their biggest fans cheer for them, like Deitch shaming people for not caring more about the WNBA, or Hill bandwagoning for national anthem protests. But in both cases, I'd argue, they've either paid a price or, at best, gained nothing from it as far as audience or attention or career advancement. I might even count myself as having made a similar mistake and suffered similar consequences. When I last had an afternoon radio show on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Radio, we were in the throes of Colin Kaepernick's anthem protest and subsequent alienation by the NFL. With both me and my co-host, Nicole Zalumas, both living in the Bay Area, we were both intimately aware of who Colin was before he took a knee. Or there was a lot of inaccurate takes about him and the protest, and both Nicole and I argued long and loud with anyone who presented one of them. While no one from SiriusXM told us what to say or not to say, we abruptly went from hearing how much they loved our show and extension talks to a never fully explained radio silence or vague comments of concern without any specific direction on what needed to improve. Now, we had plenty of fans that were grateful for our stance on CAP, and we had just as many fans who despised that we either had that stance or that we felt the way that we did. Uh, look, I'm grateful for the five years I had on SiriusXM, and I'm equally glad not getting renewed freed me up to do more of what I did previously, which is writing for BR on the NBA and doing TV for FS1. But I learned a valuable lesson. Pick your crusade carefully. People don't want to hear someone preach about how they, the fan, should think or act. And by the way, this is where the LeBron fans have it wrong when they accuse anyone of hating on LeBron just for the attention. Whenever I've complimented LeBron, there are just as many clicks or responses, and some of them just as insulting as when LeBron fans whine. And you guys, let's face it, you guys whine a lot. Uh, I, I should probably amend that. When I suggested LeBron could end up my MVP over Giannis Antetokounmpo a few weeks ago, and yes, I did, 
there were Giannis fans who took exception, but they weren't quite as vile as LeBron fans. Maybe because they know I'm not part of the media that veers toward glorifying everything LeBron does. I don't know. Maybe it's a Midwestern thing. I don't know. In any event, they weren't quite as harsh. They protested, but not on the same level that LeBron fans do. LeBron fans are outraged anytime you would suggest that LeBron has a shortcoming. What makes LeBron so polarizing, far more polarizing than Jordan or Kobe or pretty much any other superstar I can think of, is this. What he does on and off the court spans the spectrum as well. In fact, it may be more reason for why he attracts so much attention than his overall greatness. That's just a theory, but it's informed by seeing Yao Ming up close engaging the reaction to him. Yao, of course, became world famous in very short order. And for anyone who thinks his celebrity doesn't compare to LeBron's, chances are you've never been to China or anywhere else in the world. Yao truly had a global presence, as great as any athlete who has ever lived, despite playing barely more than seven seasons in the NBA. But you know what he wasn't? Controversial. He took great pains to make sure anything he said or did was above reproach. He knew how influential his fame and celebrity made him. And he respected that power. And being from a communist country and living and working in a capitalistic one, trust me, he had a much trickier line to walk than LeBron ever has. If I had to pinpoint one thing about LeBron that troubles me, it is that. Not that he isn't great. He is. Not that he isn't generous. He is. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What troubles me is that he shows no respect for just how powerful he is. One minute he will utilize it to open a school for underprivileged kids. And the next, he will throw his coach or a teammate under the bus. He talks earnestly about the plight of the underprivileged and the minorities, and then speaks in a stereotypical Hispanic accent about Taco Tuesday. Sometimes he will combine a good intention with a self-indulgent execution, creating a show for athletes and entertainers to talk about social issues and then present a final product bereft of any meaningful or insightful conversation. He is polarizing, essentially, because he does polarizing things all the time. I've known athletes who have been that way for a time, but at some point they grow out of it. This is pure speculation. But I suspect LeBron hasn't because he craves the attention. And I say crave because it feels like something greater than just loving it. We all love being recognized. I think LeBron 
is addicted to it. I mean, if I want to go all Dr. Phil, I theorize it's because as a kid, he didn't get a healthy amount of attention or the kind of attention a boy seeks from his family. No dad, his mom was dealing with her own issues. I can only imagine how scarring that was. And then discovering a talent that suddenly earned him a ton of attention, albeit a different kind from different people. The kind that comes from people who want to exploit that talent, that care about the talent more than the person exhibiting it. When I consider where LeBron came from and what he experienced early on, it's remarkable he has risen to the heights that he has. Let me say that again for any LeBron fans out there. It's remarkable what he's accomplished. I stand in awe of that. I cheer that part of him. But that's not who or what he is now. He has escaped those circumstances and more. He's as powerful as any NBA player I've seen. What I can't do, what I won't do, is accept LeBron's beginnings as an excuse for mishandling or misusing the power and influence he has now. Not when it negatively affects other people who, in my view, don't deserve it. One good deed or even 100, doesn't earn the right to do something wrong. At least not for me. He's no different than any powerful person. It's one thing to celebrate how far they had to come and honor them for that. It's something else entirely to assess what they're doing with their hard-earned and newfound position in life and say, whatever they do, it's a success because they were never expected to have that kind of influence. LeBron and his fans seem to me to operate on the idea that because he came up from hard times, it is unfair to ever question anything he does. You want to give him a free pass for building a school? Okay. But then same goes for Jalen Rose, who also opened a school before LeBron did. And keep in mind, David Robinson, former San Antonio Spurs center, has opened up more than a dozen schools and never has sought accolades for it. And then think about just how powerful LeBron is, and on the scoreboard of schools, he's tied with Jalen Rose and getting smoked by David Robinson. Again, I don't bring any of this up to diminish LeBron's charity and good works as much as I do to put what he's done in context. To hear some reports, he's the first and only player to ever even think of opening a school for underprivileged kids. Now, my commentary of late has been critical, or at least questioning, of a few things LeBron has done. The first were off his remarks on a podcast with Richard Jefferson and Channing Frye about the possibility of resuming the season. Almost every comment he made was about how challenging it would be to do so, about the things that he wouldn't want to be a part of. He talked about how the rest wouldn't be a good thing for him at 35 in spite of what people were saying. But instead, it would be challenging to stay in shape and get back in rhythm. I, and by the way, I think he's right. He was against going right into the playoffs, while the idea of resuming the regular season and then having a postseason isn't realistic under the current timeline. So essentially, you're saying, the way we have to do it, that's not the way I, want, I would want to do it. He didn't like the teams that put so much work into the season 
to have home, home court advantage and develop chemistry, that they would not be rewarded. He didn't want to play games without fans, which is almost certain to be the case. Although he said he'd be okay scrimmaging and having that broadcast for fans to watch. Now, and keep in mind, this is all on the podcast. You listen to the podcast, Road Trippin', and you will hear item after item about what, how challenging it would be to come back and play. Not, I think there might have been one point he said that he still wants to come back and play, or he wants to play, or he hopes they can play. But most of it was about how it would be difficult to come back. I said what I said about that last reason. I said, look, not wanting to play in front of fans or not wanting to play if fans weren't there, which is what he said. That was where he was most uh, insistent that uh, he, he wanted no part of that. I said that was a cover for looking at all the difficulties and where he would be at a disadvantage. That's why he didn't want to play. And I still believe that. He's been so good and he approached this season so meticulously, getting, his, getting himself into supreme shape, uh, guiding the season, relying on developing Anthony Davis, talking and building him up, developing the chemistry of the team, uh, outside of losing to the Clippers, mowing down the Western Conference and taking the lead assuring them of home court advantage. He did all that, and now, because of the shutdown, much of what he built was gone. I said what I said about that, not wanting to play in front of fans as being a cover, because he was at a disadvantage, and that got a lot of attention, my comment. I didn't think it was that extraordinary a comment, to be honest with you, if you listen to the podcast. So then, a week later, LeBron has a conference call with members of the Lakers media and says that he wouldn't have any closure, his words, without a chance to finish the season. I don't think it's an accident that it was only with Lakers media. That's an audience that understands the importance of its access to LeBron, the power he wields over the organization, and the locker room. Meaning, if you're a Lakers beat writer, you cross LeBron, you risk losing access to him, and potentially everyone and anyone else. Whether they liked you or not, they wouldn't want to cross LeBron, so they're not going to partner up with you. Now, there are more powerful reporters and media voices that work as mouthpieces for LeBron as well, but they still have the capacity to ask a question that LeBron might not like in this instance, like bringing up anything that he said in the podcast, especially in a setting that isn't a prearranged one-on-one. Anyway, the media members that were on the call dutifully reported his not getting closure comment, along with talking about how great of a season he was having, without mentioning a word about what he said on the podcast. One reporter even wrote afterward that he'd crown LeBron as a champion if the season weren't resumed. Of course you would, I thought. And you're probably not alone. That's exactly why I speculated that LeBron would be okay if the season didn't start up again. Because he knows that if there are no more games, some are going to crown him by default, by where he was 
when the season ended. Far more, anyway, than we'd give it to him if there is a playoffs and he doesn't emerge as a champion on the auspices of the season being interrupted and blaming that, not LeBron, for his inability to finish the job. Nobody's going to look at the interruption and, and all of that and say, well, you know what, if, if we do have a playoff, if we do have a championship run, if we do crown a championship team and it's not LeBron and the Lakers, nobody's going to be saying, well, you know what, put an asterisk on that because if if not for the the interruption, LeBron and the Lakers certainly would have been champions. Nobody's given him that. They may give him that. Quite a few people may give him that if the season doesn't continue. And LeBron knows that. If I know that, he knows that. Now, does it bother me that the reports I saw after his media conference call made no mention of his previous comments? Sure. It's lazy reporting at best, sycophantic at worst. I get it. I understand the position that beat writers are in. But it makes all of us look bad. It makes the media appear to be an instrument for LeBron to play. And boy, he is not the least bit shy about doing so. Which brings me to the thing on the podcast that really jumped out at me. At one point, Richard Jefferson joked that he didn't want to get fired for suggesting ESPN move up their 10-part documentary on Michael Jordan. And LeBron said, ESPN can't fire you. You're my friend. Now, he's joking. I mean, but still. Wow. You can laugh that off strictly as a joke by LeBron if you want. But even as a joke... It says a lot about how LeBron views his relationship with ESPN. As in, he sees himself as more powerful. LeBron fans might have already looked at him that way, but no athlete should be bigger than an entity that covers the entire world of sports, or even simply all of the NBA. Or that essentially pays LeBron's basketball salary by purchasing the broadcasting rights for billions of dollars. And yes, I know, He probably makes more off the court. It's not the point. Who's paying who? ESPN is essentially paying LeBron through the NBA, through the Lakers. But LeBron's saying, I can tell my employer who they should hire and who they should fire. Now, is he more powerful? He is if ESPN treats him that way, which in many ways it does seem to do. Certainly, I don't see them asking the hard questions or discussing the difficult subjects concerning LeBron that we do on FS1. Admittedly, I don't watch a lot of ESPN, but the shows that I have seen, they seem to play, they seem to be very careful. There are a few exceptions as far as individuals who take a fair and even-handed approach, but not the biggest names, I would say. Then again, for us on FS1, we're not worried about protecting our access to him. I know I'm not. Now, I'm painfully aware of how important access is to the people I cover these days. I know that my value to ESPN certainly was heightened by my access to Kobe and Yao and Derrick Rose and, and other top stars. 
But that never stopped me from saying something critical about them. Now, you could make the case, maybe we never had anybody quite as big as LeBron. I'd say Kobe was pretty damn close. As I saw it, if my criticism was justified, and if I'd given them a chance, Kobe or whoever, to tell me where I was wrong, or to give their side of something, some story, then it was fair game to put it out there. And if they couldn't respect that, then it meant essentially they didn't respect me or my job. And those are not relationships I care to have or depend on anyway. Now, plenty of stars have realized how valuable they were to the media and leveraged it by not making themselves available. Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, KG, to name a few. There have been a fair share over the years. None, though, looked at access to them as something they could use to determine how or what the media does or says. They never looked at it as a way that I can make you carry my message for me. And they didn't think they held sway over jobs. I don't know that NBC would have ever fired Ahmad Rashad because he was their conduit to Michael Jordan back when NBC had a broadcast deal with the NBA. But it's hard for me to imagine Jordan ever saying, if you fire Ahmad, I won't talk to you. Jordan discovered early on that having his desires served first, foremost, and always wasn't necessarily in his best interest. He learned that when the Bulls traded his best friend Charles Oakley to the Knicks for Bill Cartwright, after which the Bulls went on their run for titles. Now, I'm not surprised LeBron held a press conference to talk about wanting to finish the season and get closure. It's what he does. He'll say something without really thinking it through, realize it portrays him in a way he does not want, and try to reshape or shift what he says. It was my first reaction, because essentially the part of the podcast that we talked about first on FS1 was his saying that he didn't want to play if there weren't any fans. And did we think that that was true? That he would rather not play if there were not going to be any fans. And I thought, he, he clearly didn't think that through because you're not going to play. If the NBA does resume the season, there are not going to be fans in the stands. That's, that is one guarantee I can assure you of. But if you really do care about the fans, and I think that's what he was trying to say by saying... What is sport without fans? Well, the fans just won't be in the building. They won't be cheering for you. They won't be giving you that energy. And will you miss that? Yes. But this is your opportunity to do something for them without them giving you that, which is to play and entertain and give people a sense of normalcy, even though they can't be in the building because those games will be broadcast. And NBA fans, uh, particularly knowing that knowing the sacrifices that the players are going to have to make in order to play again after months off would be would be grateful it would be a tremendous act i, I won't say sacrifice by the players 
And I thought when LeBron said that he didn't want to play if there weren't fans in the building, he hadn't thought it all the way through. And no one around him had the fortitude or foresight to say, hey, LeBron, you might want to rethink this one. If that conversation was ever even had. Now, he's hardly alone when it comes to powerful figures in the world doing that these days, changing their tune. I guess I take greater greater exception to it with LeBron because having been around him at least a little bit and having observed him up close quite a bit in candid moments, I'd like to believe at his core he's a good guy. And I couldn't and wouldn't say that about just anybody. I also take exception because what he does impacts a game that I've dedicated my life to covering and I love. And I respect and admire the people who have built it into what it is. And LeBron has certainly had a hand in that. But he's also done a number of things with his influence and power that haven't necessarily been all positive for the growth and development and integrity of of the game. I also believe at least half the time he wouldn't do or say what he does or says if he simply thought through the potential repercussions and saw his tremendous fame, fortune, and influence as a reason to stray on the side of caution rather than a license to speak off the cuff, consequences be damned. I share all this because my number one goal, first and always, is to be fair. I want to be fair to LeBron. Now, Anybody out there wants to say I'm, you know, unequivocally unfair? I need you to excite exactly how. Otherwise, I pretty much ignore it. But I'm willing to listen. And I want to be fair to you and the rest of my audience. See, because there's two sides here. I want to be fair to LeBron. Actually, there's multiple sides. I want to be fair to LeBron. I want to be fair to his fans. I also want to be fair to the audience that has questions about LeBron or takes exception to some of the things that he does. I want to be fair to my employer, whether it's BR or it's FS1 or intercom slash radio.com if we come back from our furlough. I also want to be fair, and we we will, I'm certain that we will be. We'll be continuing the Scowling Pals. But I also want to be fair to myself. That means when FS1 asks me to comment on LeBron and the topic or question is one that inherently invites criticism of something LeBron has done or said, I'm going to think about what he did or said, why he did or said it, what he could have done or said instead, if anything, and then I'm going to tell you what I think. And I truly... I take it on a case-by-case basis. Now, sometimes if I've got a criticism, there's generally, there are examples of how he's done something before. (laughs) And this is just following suit. Sorry, that's the way it is. But I'm happy to compliment him when I can. The season that he's had, uh, the, the leadership that he's demonstrated, again, that was one of the other things that, was brought up. Jared Dudley saying he's the greatest leader 
think he might have said in sports, but it was certainly in basketball. And I'm thinking, ah, he's done a great job leading the, the Lakers. Far better than I imagined that he could or was motivated to. He's had a great season. He's my MVP because of that. Because he transformed a very tough situation and made the Lakers into the best team in the Western Conference. And he did it. Don't give me Anthony Davis has benefited tremendously. Anthony Davis has never been this kind of, never shown himself to be this kind of player before. I credit LeBron for that as much as anything else. Because there's something about when LeBron says, hey, you're on my level, that it carries a lot of meaning to everyone else, but to that player in particular. That's something that he does not give out freely. If he did it because he knew he needed Anthony Davis, so be it. Whatever works. But in any case, I'm going to tell you what I think in any given situation. And if it's five negative things in a row, it's not because I'm looking for five negative things. It's because after weighing them on a case-by-case basis, I find fault with what what the question is and what and LeBron's part in it. But to be clear, there is nothing about LeBron that I don't like. I mean that. Not a thing. Not LeBron. Not the person. There are a few things that he does or has done that are or have been, and we can put any word on it you want, disappointing, troubling, bothersome, and I believe more often than not, just not well thought out. Those of you who want to hold LeBron as beyond reproach aren't going to get much out of this podcast, if you even bother to listen. Those that appreciate that I react to what LeBron does on a case-by-case basis and I'm not afraid to call him out when I think he's wrong or misguided, probably didn't need this podcast either. This pod is for those who are curious about where I'm coming from when I talk about LeBron, or maybe only get cursory uh, takes from me. You're not seeing the width and breadth of what I do. You only get the things that pop up and catch the most attention. But you are the people that, if you're curious about where I'm coming from when I talk about LeBron and what forms my opinions about him, that's what this podcast was for. And for those, I hope this helped. I don't expect you to agree with me. I never expect that, nor really is that my mission. But I would like you to understand. And perhaps in understanding view the subject in a slightly different, more complete light. That's all. I'm trying to add to your understanding rather than think that I can convince you that you should think about it in a completely different way or that you should think about it as I think about it. If you do, great. If you don't, we're all good. Adding to your understanding, that's my goal. My only goal. And in the name of LeBron's school, I promise. All right, 
That does it for this episode of Buker Friendless, subsidiary of Buker and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get it. And if you would like us to do something for you, screenshot that rating or review and send it to at Buker Friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes. Next podcast, have no idea. Could be Ryan Hollins. Could be Will Blackman. Could be, got a couple special guests lined up. We'll see if we can nail one of those. But I assure you, I will be here. And I look forward to doing this again. So, in the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.